0: Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1375.
1: Buy the ticket, take the ride.
0: This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hey, Cars Yeah! I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft Seat Covers. They'll protect your seats from the daily abuse of pets, children, weekend adventures, and even those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. All Covercraft Seat Covers are easy-on, easy-off design that are machine washable. You can choose from many fabric options, colors, and accessories, A Cars Yeah! sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Hello automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest calling in from Gilbert, Arizona, Andy Lee. Hey Andy, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride?
1: As usual, the crotch belt's a little too tight, but I'm ready to go.
0: (laughs) Well, get yourself comfortable. We're going to have a good time here and I'll promise we'll keep the car on the track. Andy Lee is the co founder and driver coach at Track a Record. That's Record, R E K O R D, a company born out of a need to provide consistent, high quality track day driver instruction across the United States and Canada. The ultimate goal of Track Record is to reduce risk, improve safety, increase enjoyment, lower your lap times, and reduce your insurance costs. Andy is both a driver and a mechanic who has raced since 2003. He's run in the Volkswagen Jetta TDI Cup and in the Pirelli World Challenge Series in a Camaro. He garnered Rookie of the Year honors and a second place in the championship. Since 2008, Andy has recorded eight wins, 24 podiums, and 11 poles, and he has raced in several series including IMSA, Continental Series, Trans Am, NASA, and SCORE Off-Road Racing. He's tested and raced a variety of cars including a Lamborghini, Cadillac, and my favorite, Porsche. So, Andy, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment share a little bit more about your racing career, your business, and, of course, a very obvious passion for driving very fast in automobiles?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'd say my racing primarily is in sports cars, but I've uh, been lucky enough to dabble in off-road as well. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Get Leading up to the racing career, I did a whole lot of driver instruction, worked at the Bondurant Racing School. And I think that's really where my passion for coaching uh, came from. And so all that's kind of led into us uh, starting our own company uh, called Track Record. And so here we are.
0: Well, it's very cool. Uh, past guest, Kai Goddard, and he's going to be on the show again here. Uh, when Kai was on before, he was working at a track before uh, coaching and managing and he and Andy decided to get together and start their own thing. And I love having past guests come back on the show who've evolved and grown and done something new. And, of course, listeners remember last Friday I had Steve Kempton on the show. Steve is uh, maybe the the wise arm of the group there, as he <laughs> defined himself. Keep you uh, young yahoos on the straight and narrow. Uh, all joking aside, though, I think you guys have a great team that you've put together of very talented people. So as we continue on your journey, I always like to ask my guests for a success quote or a mantra. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires smoking here on cars. Yeah, Andy, I know you love to drive, so take the wheel.
1: Yeah, I, I guess the quote that comes to mind—I don't know how inspirational it is for me, but it just kind of—it always uh, pops up. Uh, is I, I read a lot of Hunter S. Thompson when mm-hmm. I was in high school in early twenties and. So his quote, buy the ticket, take the ride, always. And uh, and I've always kind of applied that to uh, my choices, uh, career-wise, racing-wise. Um, just more or less, to me, it just means you're going for it. I mean, you you buy into it 100%, and you just kind of t- let it take you where you want it to go.
0: Do you see that as a, a quote that defines your focus on your life? Because you've driven a lot of different types of cars, and Involved yourself in a lot of different racing and and now coaching, helping others, which is the ultimate cool thing to do. I think is help others be successful. But uh, buy the ticket, take the ride. To me, kind of plays to you know what? Take an opportunity and run with it. Don't miss an opportunity in life. Uh, make sure you take all opportunities that come along. Is that kind of how you define that?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, take your chances. Um, you know, nobody wants to look back and feel like you didn't try or or didn't try yeah. to go for your goals or dreams or anything like that so uh yeah i absolutely think it could apply that way yeah kind of apply in a more practical sense uh when it comes to coaching i guess you pay for the coaching and we take you for the ride you know so yeah, it, exactly. it works in a variety of ways
0: <laughs> i think it does you know i remember i used to be a surfer i grew up in southern california and uh, I'd taken some, a break from surfing. I got married, got a job, and of course, life gets in the way. And then my new next-door neighbor moved in, and he, he surfed. He said, you know, you should get back into it. So he got me back in the water. And I remember we went out, and I had been in the water in a while, and the waves were a little bit big that day. I was feeling a little bit intimidated. And I started to paddle to take off for a rather large set, and I kind of backed off, turned around. And he was mm-hmm. paddling by, and I said, man, I should have taken that. And I'll never forget these words. He said, shoulda, coulda, woulda, words of a loser. (laughs) And he splashed a bunch of water in my face. And at the time, it was, you know, we kind of laughed about it. But I sat out there thinking about it. And I'm I'm still thinking about today. Now, this was decades ago. The fact that, you know what, when you have an opportunity to try something, even if you think you might crash and burn, in that case, I probably felt like that wave was going to try to kill me. Uh, You know what? You should take that opportunity uh calculated risk of course but you should take the opportunity and try it um so yeah Dan Dworski shout out to Dan for uh keeping that thought in my head all these years and encouraging me to to do some things in my life including vintage racing that I did for quite a while uh which is something I probably would have never uh, undertaken if I hadn't remembered those words so uh thank you Dan and thank you Andy for that great quote as well Racing too I, I mean, want to go those Yeah yeah exactly they're always there you just need to recognize them well, let's talk about a story that instigated this passion you have for cars and racing. Is there a pivotal moment in your life and you knew that you were going to be a car guy and a race car driver?
1: Yeah, um, I don't know if it was a pivotal moment as much as like a time frame when I was real little, like uh, our, when my dad left us when we were like, I was like two years old and while well, we were living with my grandma back then, uh, my mom's brother, uh, my uncle was around a lot and he sort of took over that father figure role in my life. And he was heavily into motorcycles and motorcycle racing. And I'd, so I'd, I'd say that's where a lot of this all started. And initially, it was all about motorcycles. Like, I, I just loved them. We watched MotoGP every weekend. We were always watching World Superbike. I mean, I grew up with names like, you know, Mick Doohan and and Wayne Rainey. And, uh, you know, those kind of guys were like the heroes that's kind of where it started. So I'd say, you know, my early childhood, I knew I wanted to do something in racing. I knew I wanted to do something with uh, something fast, you know, and I, and, yeah. and I I didn't know if motorcycling was going to be the way, but I knew it was going to be something along those lines.
0: Yeah. Well, what a, a great guy, your uncle, to step up and kind yeah. uh, of take you under his wing and help you along there. I think that's fantastic. So uh, kudos. Shout out to him. You know, any man that steps into that role and helps out uh, a child, uh, a woman uh, in need in that way, I think is is ultimately an uh, incredible person. So you're very fortunate to have him <laughs> in your life. And uh, bikes yeah. are cool, too. Yeah, I rode bikes in the dirt when I was a kid and rode bikes for a little by on the street. I know in our pre-show chat we talked about we both had Ducati Monsters, uh, which are pretty cool bikes uh, for sure. So uh, that great. Well, let's take a look at some of these roads you've driven down, because deciding to be a race car driver is fraught with ups and downs. One weekend, you're a winner. The next weekend, maybe you're not. Uh The next weekend after that, you're trying to look for some funding to uh, get in a ride. So <laughs> talk about a big challenge you faced along the way, even a big failure that popped up. But more importantly, what was the learning lesson that you took from that so that you could move forward in a positive way?
1: I'd say in, in at the end of high school, uh, a friend and I decided we were going to move to Arizona. And we were going to become mechanics. Uh, we, we enrolled in a mechanic school called UTI, and I, at that point, I, you know, I really wanted to be a race car driver. I loved racing, but you know what, high school kid doesn't. Um, so, but at the same time, I didn't know if it was realistic. Um, but I thought, you know, maybe I could be a mechanic and I could work for a team, or I could work on race cars, or something like that fast forward a couple of years um i ended up getting an entry level job at bondurant uh, as a mechanic in their shop and i just thought that was it man i was making like 750 an hour but i thought like i'd hit the lottery i was like i work at a racing school i get to play with race cars all day long I, it was like the best uh, around that same time i had like a little side job uh for a chiropractor who had like a little uh, private club of go-kart uh, enthusiasts they were like most of them were just very wealthy, uh, successful businessmen that just loved karting and they just want to go play on the weekends. And he hired me as like a, a mechanic to help him clean and prep these carts between these outings. In exchange for my services, he was like, I'll let you take one of these and go race it if you want. And that's really how I got into racing. So I, I, it was just kind of a series of events uh, that were kind of luck, um, just being at the right place, right time, and just having a lot of enthusiasm for it. Uh, also and I think people could see that and so uh, every step along the way they just wanted to keep helping me get to the next level and it really snowballed from there
0: yeah it sounds cool and it's kind of funny combining chiropractic with uh chiropractic work with uh go-karts because I remember I hadn't been racing in a while and I jumped in some go-karts with a friend Brian and we spent an afternoon and I needed a chiropractor after that day oh my gosh <laughs> yeah, <I laughs> like all my ribs now. felt like they were broken. <laughs> And my back felt like it was tweaked one way, and my neck—oh my gosh! But uh, those things are fun, and those things, those shifter cars can go fast. Oh my gosh, just incredible stuff. So
1: uh, I think that's the, the most challenging. I mean, you're asking what was a challenge, um, but I, I think for unless you're lucky enough to have a family that was involved in racing before, or a family that's very wealthy, or there's money behind you to help push you through the, the levels, you know, the most challenging part, the most difficult part is just finding a way in. And so having people like that in your corner is really the best to
0: have. You know, I've heard this over and over. uh, You are the culmination of the people you surround yourself with. And, you know, you think back to when you're a kid and your mom was saying, you know, hang out with the good kids, not the bad kids. (laughs) And you kind of thought of it as an annoyance at the time, but moms are always right. Uh, you should surround yourself with positive people and, and even people that are much stronger in you in many ways because they can help you achieve things that you never thought you could achieve. So uh, very, very important lesson out of that one for sure. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and talk about your first really special vehicle or maybe the first really special race car you got in and you felt like, man, I've made it. This is what I've been wanting to do. And maybe share a memory you have about
1: that ride. Yeah, uh, uh, there's a couple that come to mind. I guess you know the first car that that I remember was actually my grandma's car. So when I was a little kid, she had like a 1984 Toyota Celica. And at the time I thought that was the coolest car. And so I was like five years old or something. And I was like, grandma, please like keep this car. I, I, I want this to be my first car. Please, please, please. She had a little fender bender in it. And my uncle called me at the house and he said, Hey, your grandma's been in an accident. And the first thing I said was, "Is the car okay? Oh <laughs> So you could tell me that the car's okay. uh yeah. didn't even ask to see if my grandma was all right, but she was fine, of course. It was just a minor deal, but that that was probably the first car that that sticks out.
0: Yeah, those are cool little cars when I first started dating my wife, she had a seventies celica and uh a gt and uh mm-hmm. i thought man this this girl is pretty cool that she's driving one of these and yeah. i love driving that thing they they had bulletproof motors in them too they were yeah. awesome
1: and they kind of they're kind of getting like a little resurgence too like the the younger crowd is kind of bringing them back which is kind of cool you know they're real well drive, i like that like, they're cool yeah
0: yeah well japanese cars as a, a trend are kind of making a comeback in fact at the uh, car week down at pebble Beach. They had a special uh, Japanese car exhibition, I had a previous guest on the show here that put that, curated that thing, um, yes. and it was really neat to see that. And I think a big reason is, one is, you know, us baby boomers, I'm talking for myself now, we're aging out a bit, so uh, <laughs> this, these other generations are coming through. And the 80s cars were cars they remember as kids, just like you remember your grandma's car, and they're more affordable, you know? i'm um, I mean, I've been a Porsche guy forever, but man, the price of used Porsches, especially vintage Porsches, are just ridiculous. Oh, so, Crazy. Yeah. Uh, hard for a young person to get into a car like that. So I, I'm really happy to see this 80s resurgence of cars that are coming along, and especially Japanese cars. There were some really cool cars that were built during that time uh fun cars manual cars so uh that's very cool yeah, i like that Gram- grandma selica that when you oh, said I grandma i thought what really a grandma <laughs> car but no you had a cool yeah. grandma that's for it sure it was a cool car <laughs>
1: man at least to me back then it was just yeah it didn't get any cooler than that car when i was five six years old
0: <laughs> of course yeah very really cool yeah. Well, and it helps it with your grandma too so that makes it special well how about seller's remorse is there a vehicle you've owned and let go that you really wish you still had
1: well, I never owned it, but uh, the first car we raced in World Challenge uh, was this Camaro, um, and me and a couple other mechanics that worked at Bondurant at the time, we all built it on our own time. It was all volunteer, you know, basis, and uh, we built this thing basically reading like five or six pages of the rule book at a time, and then we put a little bit more of the car together, read a little bit more, and put more of it together. Uh, we had no idea really what we were doing. And we we got to the first race weekend, and, and at Saint Petersburg, and like this was 2012, and you know we're on the grid against Porsches and BMWs and all these really high-end cars, cars that you would think of as as race cars, and we've got this Camaro, and I thought Man, we are going to get destroyed. And uh, we ended up putting it on the pole in the first race. So I was like, wow. I was like, Oh, all right. I guess we, uh, we, yeah, built, maybe we built something car. here. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, your comp, your
0: competition must've been going, who are those guys?
1: <laughs> yeah. We were just a ragtag group of, of guys, you know, and uh, we were yeah. just doing it cause we loved it. We didn't really have any money or, you know, we had very little sponsorship, just enough to get there. And uh, it was a great way to start, but that car once it it aged out and uh, it it belonged to the team owner and he sold it and I man, I wish I could have kept it or because uh, shortly after we sold it the guy that bought it uh, had a big accident in it and more or less totaled it and oh, so no, no. yeah it's gone and uh, yeah. so wish we could have that one back it was such a good car sentimental you know,
0: you know anything I, well of course i've had hundreds of racers on cars yeah here and most of them that's how they answer that question is they wish they had the first race car first go-kart uh something like that just because of the the blood sweat and tears that goes into those first cars that you race and, and how difficult it is to get into the industry so uh well wow. you've got the memories so that's yeah. that's the good thing well i want you to share with our listeners your perspective of this uh business you've co-founded with kai goddard track record i'll remind our listeners. Record is spelled R-E-K-O-R-D, and according to Steve, who was on the show on Friday, that's because R-E-C-H, or R-E-C-H, or R E C R I can't even spell today. <laughs> Record, uh, R-E-C-R-D was already taken. Anyway, it's R-E-K-O-R-D. <laughs> Get out my Google spelling book here. Holy cow, Mark, you're really losing <laughs> it. I would love for you to share what, why this business was created, what your guys' uh, flow behind it is, what your ideas behind it. And what has you so excited and fired up with this uh, track a record?
1: Uh, I think, you know, the, the idea came from, you know, I, I started as i raced more and more, I started to get invited to help coach or, or people that were, you know, sponsors or friends of mine would ask me to come coach. But if you didn't know me personally, um, how else would you get in touch with me really? And, and so we, we started thinking, like, how do people find quality driver coaches? And really, it's all just word of mouth. And I have a friend that has a friend that knows a guy that is a pro driver, et cetera, et cetera. And even then, like, if you're a novice or an amateur coming into the sport, you know, even a pretty decent weekend warrior could convince you that he's a pro driver. Um, you really just don't know. And so we we thought it'd be awesome to have a place where people could go and find a pro driver that's in their area know that this person is a legitimate pro driver and uh and they can just book them right off the website so cool. Uh, cool. that's kind of the premise of it yeah
0: well when steve was on he was talking about the benefits that this has in many multitudes of ways because having raced vintage cars when i got into it i didn't have a coach i just jumped into a 1960 lotus formula junior 18 and Yeah, took some practice laps and went, okay, I guess I'm a race car driver now. Holy cow, what am I doing? This is crazy. Got little kids at home. But, uh, you know, if you're going to get into being a professional driver, you do need a coach. It's like anything, a business coach, a mentor. And I've had lots of coaches on this show, but there's many benefits that come out of this. I mentioned some of that in the intro when we were talking about the concept behind track record, and that is reducing risk, of course, so that people... Don't do things that could cause injury to themselves or others, which which improves safety, of course, uh, and lowering their lap times. And then he talked about also reducing insurance costs because I remember back when I was driving, if I and I started by doing track days with the BMW Club, I had an M three, and I thought I'm going to go out here and see if if I'm comfortable going at speed before I get into buying a, a race car. And and I felt good about it, but I saw a few guys wreck their cars, and then they found out the hard way. You mean my insurance didn't cover me on the track?
1: Yeah, Uh, yeah. A lot of people find that out the hard way.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So uh, talk a little bit about some of these benefits as you see it. Why somebody who, and even somebody who wants to amateur race or vintage race, why there's a benefit of getting a qualified coach to help them?
1: Well, I think a few things, um, you know, I'd say the vast majority of people that I coach have no intention of ever going racing, you know, and so you don't really need to it's not a requirement that uh, you have a pro driver coach. Only in the case that you you want to go, you know, wheel to wheel or door to door with people. But there's a lot of people that uh, just want to go do track day the events. Um, they just want to go out and enjoy a, a sports car that they just purchased. And you know, you mentioned the cars that you started out in, and, and I started out in you know go karts, and I started out in really low horsepower momentum cars, and I slowly worked my way up the ladder, but. Most of the people that we coach um, are people that you know became very successful, or you know for some reason or another they just they wanted this high-end sports car, this car, and these cars come with you know five hundred, six hundred, seven hundred, frighteningly (laughs) fast. Yeah, Yeah. so they're starting with this just bomb of a car underneath them, and uh, and I think a lot of people think that because trash control systems, uh, stability systems have evolved so much that. They're almost crash-proof, but certainly not the case. And uh, we've uh, we've partnered with a, an insurance company that does track day non-competition insurance, um, and their name's Open Track, of course. Yeah, they started kind of telling us about the claims that they were getting, and and what were the reasons for people having accidents. And we we looked through all these claims, and it was pretty obvious to Kai and myself that this is just. Either no training or no experience, just very fundamental mistakes uh, on most of those accidents and nothing crazy, you know. But I think you got to have an idea of what you're doing with these cars um, to really enjoy them.
0: Well, and it translates to the road too, because uh, we certainly don't endorse any kind of high speed or racing on the streets. However, Mm -hmm. uh, there might be situations you encounter when you're driving on the roads with uh, somebody does something silly in front of you, pulls into your lane or Maybe you start to hydroplane if you run across a storm or ice or something like that. All these things relate to street driving. And I remember getting my motorcycle endorsement and having to go to a couple weekends of driving, motorcycle riding. And I thought, you know, I used to ride bikes. I used to ride bikes in the dirt. I know what I'm doing. But I tell you, they taught me some stuff that literally saved me from getting hit multiple times by in a ton of drivers, people that pull out in front of me, even a dog that came after me one yeah, time. Yeah. You know, and uh I never thought that would happen, but they taught you what to do <laughs> if an animal comes after you or something. So I think it's really important. And you're right. I mean, these cars these days, I've been to track days where, uh and I don't know if you've encountered this, but you get always these guys at the driver's meeting. There's a few that aren't paying attention. They're back there kind of, talking it up and stuff, and they're typically the first guys to hit the wall.
1: <laughs> yeah. <they> go out. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it, so having a good attitude, I think, is very important as well, right? A, a respect?
1: Yeah, I'd say so. And I think when most people get to the point where they're looking or, uh, you know, seeking out coaching, you know, they're they're already in a good position to listen. Um, you know, and I worked at Bondurant, uh, which was more of an experience sort of place where people that – may or may not have had any you know, passion for motorsports or track driving. Some people just wanted to go there and do donuts in cars that didn't belong to them. <laughs> and that's a little bit different game. But the, the clientele that we work with now are, are people that are, yeah, they, they understand the risk. They, like, like many people, have businesses and responsibilities and children, and they want to enjoy this super fast car, but know where those limitations lie. And And I think whether we... Obviously, we don't endorse doing it on the street, but we know full well that most of these people are going to go have a good time. I think it definitely translates into avoiding, you know, mistakes that you could make on a twisty mountain road as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you one of the the things that I was shocked by um, in taking, I I had uh, multiple M3s and my E46 when I got the first one of those, took it to the track and had a coach there with me. And we did some laps with traction control on and then taking it off. And the yeah. dramatic difference in the vehicle when you remove that Savior device is <laughs> yeah. just eye-opening. I mean, like, oh, my gosh. I mean, it didn't take long for that car to break loose and go, <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, yeah, I need to be very, very careful in this thing uh, yeah. because that's that's what's been saving me. So that little blinking light that's down there that I <laughs> smile at when I hit some water or go through a corner a little too quick. So. Well, track record, this is a, a great uh, venture that you guys are on. I think it's fantastic. I'll make sure I put a link to that uh, on Andy's uh, website. If you didn't listen to my talk with Steve Kempton, uh, one of their business partners there, uh, you can go back and listen to his talk as well. And of course, Kai is going to be on the show coming up in the next couple of weeks. So we've got three people here to share this experience with us. Andy, up next is the last lap. Before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah! sponsors. When you want proven performance, there's one brand that's been around since 1938. That's Edelbrock, building the finest American-made performance products for the street. And track edelbrock's products are designed and dyno proven to deliver maximum results edelbrock has thousands of made in the usa performance products for all makes and models from their new ads 2 carburetor and innovative pro flow 4 efi for your muscle car or truck to superchargers for your daily driver and more visit edelbrock.com to check out the latest products for your ride and when you're ready to check out enter cars yeah in the coupon code and get 10 percent off your order That's at carsya.com. all right andy we're back and i have a bit of introspective question for you i'm going to kind of get in your head a little bit if you woke up tomorrow and you were a car not what you want to be but how you perceive yourself as a car or a race car what would andy be and why Uh,
1: these days i'm getting big and bigger and bigger into uh, outdoor adventure. I'm big into mountain biking, you know, camping. Uh, I've got an enduro cool. motorcycle now instead of a Ducati monster. <laughs> oh, so nice. Oh, enduros all, are cool. I'm all about getting out in a way, but at the same time, I've always had a passion for station wagons. So I thought I would probably be like one of those 1980s AMC Eagle wagons. <laughs> okay. So, you know, All right. <laughs> wood paneling on the side, you know, and uh, yeah, I'd get way out there. I think that's because pretty cool. That, that represents me at the time.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a fair answer for sure. You know, I live in a, a little place called Gig Harbor, Washington, which is an hour south of Seattle. And last weekend, I posted on my Facebook page. I found I was walk. I took somebody over to a, a little gas station repair shop, and parked in front of their place was a 1960s Rambler station
1: wagon. Nice.
0: Uh, just yeah. I, it was. You know, you don't see those at all. I mean, you don't see most old station wagons cuz they've all been used up and rotted away, but a right. uh, little yellow guy, yeah, very cool for those of like you the following me up. <laughs> yeah, but but it was it's kind of small. You know, the Rambler wagons were a little more compressed than the, say the the big Fords or the Osmobile Vista Cruisers like we had when I was a kid in the 60s. So, uh, Whew, yeah. I thought that was pretty cool, but I like wagons. I've been trying to convince my wife her next car should be a wagon. Um, I don't know. She kind of looks at me cross. She goes, we don't have kids anymore. We don't need a wagon anymore. I know. It's a hard
1: conversation to have. (laughs) But
0: they're so cool. She goes, well, you get a wagon then if you like them so much. I'm like, I I kind of like my Porsche and my my M3. So uh, anyway, end of conversation there. Well, we are entering the last lap. This is a place you've been many times. The white flag's out. Time to put your foot into it. And I'm going to ask you a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive or racing advice you've ever received?
1: Oh, man. Uh, I guess just automotive. The thing that comes to mind right away is don't buy new cars. Uh, people yeah. always, you know, it's like taking the loss and the value is pretty hard. And I kind of, I've i never bought a new car until uh, recently. And now I'm like, Oh, you yeah. broke your own rule. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh. And then as soon as I bought it, I was like, I shouldn't have done that. I mean, I love the car yeah. a lot. But you're just like, I should have bought a used car. But, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah.
0: You know what? I've, I, I've done that my whole life and I have a good friend. Hopefully he's listening today. Eddie, uh, he's a, a driving coach. He's a Porsche guy. He's got a cool GT4, uh, 993s, GT3. He's got some cool cars, but, uh, I always, uh, commend him because that's been his rule. He goes out and finds really nice used cars and buys those and lets the first guy take that depreciation hit. And, uh, you know, my son just bought his first car. He's 25. Uh, he had a car we bought him when he was in high school and college, but he sold it cause he was living in a city and didn't need a car. But he finally, he likes to get out in the country like you. So he needed something that was four wheel drive, but you know, and, and I said, well, look, find something that's three years old, single owner, somebody that's like your dad takes good care of them. Yeah. And he yeah. shopped and shopped and he found a really cool, uh, Subaru Outback Perfect. and, uh, in the glove box was the window sticker. And he goes, Dad, I bought this for half of what this car costs new. And yeah. I said, you you did it right. You're much smarter than me, son. Thanks for listening. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think that's great advice, especially for young people, is don't get into debt heavily with cars. Um, because once you drive them, uh, they're a used car. So uh, you can find people like, like Mark Green who take very good care and love of their car. And I do eventually sell my cars. So uh, you can buy one of those. How about a personal habit of yours that you believe has contributed to your successes over the years?
1: Um, I think, you know, just when I was trying to work my way up through the racing ladder, um, even if we didn't have much sponsorship money, even if we were down to the last dollar to get to that race weekend, we we tried to always look professional, at least. We always tried to look like we had tons of sponsor money. We always tried to, always tried to dress like uh, I, I wanted to be a professional race car driver, and I feel like it helps in a way. I mean, you're always being judged by other people, uh, whether you like it or not. And uh, I think, especially in that industry where it's it's pretty competitive and it's tough, um, you don't want to give anybody a reason to to doubt you. Uh, so I think if you at least look the part, um, it goes a little ways to, to helping you keep moving.
0: You know, this is a really valuable lesson, especially for young people, uh, just getting into business. My first career for 11 years was in advertising and marketing. And I remember getting out of college and going to work, and my boss said, you know, you need to go out and buy yourself some suits. And I'm like, well, we're a creative firm. Why do I need to wear a suit and a tie? And he said, because we're being a creative firm for professional organizations. We worked for realtors and commercial lenders and banks and developers. And those guys wore suit and ties to work back in the day. And he said, you want to you look credible when you walk in that office. They're going to judge you by the way you look. And whether you like that or not, that's the way of the world. And uh, I always appreciated that with him. So I went out and bought myself five suits and ties and, you know, (laughs) nice shoes. And it makes a difference because uh, you see your competitors going in there, you know, in a casual shirt and jeans and stuff. And, uh, you know, those guys go, well, you don't really get my business if that's the way you dress. Yeah, especially
1: uh, when you're going in there racing-wise and you're asking a a potential sponsor for hundreds of thousands of dollars. For a lot of of money, yeah. Uh, yeah, for, and you look
0: like season. a Yahoo off the track. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, you better at least look like you're going to represent him well. Um, you there know, you so go. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, I believe me, I don't enjoy wearing dress-up clothes any more than anybody else, but I just feel <laughs> like that was just kind of part of the deal, and I, I feel like it always kind of helped me get into doors that I, I probably wouldn't have been able to otherwise.
0: No doubt, no doubt that it did. How about a couple of resources? I know Track Record. Again, that's spelled track, R-E-K-O-R-D.com is one. You also mentioned an insurance company that does insure your vehicle when it's on the track. What's the name of that company?
1: Yeah, they're a, they're a partner of ours. Uh, we're the official driving uh, driver coaching service for them, and uh, they're open Track, And Open Track provides track day insurance, so non-competition. So if you're looking to take your brand-new Porsche out to the track, they'll go have some fun it's kind of nice to have a little peace in mind. Um, you know, your your fun at the racetrack, one of the owners of open track always says the fun should come from the rush of speed and, and not the risk <laughs> that you're taking <laughs> in the car. So it's a really cool way to, to ensure the car. You can do it, uh, on a, like a as needed basis, like a weekend policy, or you can do an annual policy, which is unlimited track days, basically throughout the, uh, the racing season. So, they're a really good group of guys. Uh, we worked with them a lot. And, you know, unfortunately, everybody has a claim every once in a while. And even the mm-hmm. people you know that have had to file claims gone super smooth. So, yeah. Highly yeah. recommend if you're a track day junkie.
0: OpenTrack.com. Very good resource if you'd like to take your car to the track. Uh, otherwise, call your insurance company and ask them point blank mm-hmm. if I'm doing this and I crash my car, am I covered? Because <laughs> you may be surprised at the answer you get. Uh, a lot of them do not cover, uh, even. Even driver's training days, uh, anytime you're off the road on a track, a lot of them do not cover you. So be careful. How about if I could arrange for you to sit down and have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive or racing industry, living or deceased? Who would that be?
1: Easy. I think uh, the guy I'd want to sit down with, and it'd probably be a beer, I'm assuming, would probably be Valentino Rossi. I would love to, like, take Valentino Rossi's mind. The guy's just like unbelievable and so uh like i yeah. said i'm a big motorcycle racing fan so i watch a lot of gp and just um it would be cool to sit down with him i think, I think it'd be hilarious uh,
0: <laughs> no kid yeah i'd like uh-huh. to get him on this show he's a hard guy to get to but uh yeah really admired what he's done he just seems like a, a fearless guy but he's he's got talent that goes very very deep <laughs> you look at some of the stuff yeah, he does unreal. i don't even know how he does it i, I I look at most motor GP riders and I go, how do they do that? I mean, yeah. I just, it's, it's a mind boggling. Yeah, it is. It's, it's almost scary to watch sometimes because you just watch, especially those super slow-mos where you look at how little of that tire is on that track and how much those bikes are moving around. It's just yeah. Ah, yeah. a lot of admiration ah, for those guys. How about a book? Is there a book you've read that you'd like to share?
1: Uh, let's see, uh, lately nothing super businessy or, uh, inspiring or anything. We just got a, a black lab puppy. So, uh, most of nice. my reading has been about how to raise a black lab puppy. <laughs> <laughs> so my nightstand's got like two black lab books on it right now. That's what I've been reading. How to like,
0: raise a black <laughs> lab? <buddy>. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs>
1: it's
0: well, it's so like having a baby, I third. hear. So uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. that's cool. Well, those labs are awesome dogs. So uh, yeah, he's great. Uh, you're gonna have a have a great one if he can just survive the first three years. Is what
1: oh I've heard. man, yeah. He's <laughs> uh, it's already been a lot of work. We you know thankfully we had this couch that we've just kind of kept uh, moving the last few times we we've, we've changed uh, houses and. Uh, it was just like a goodwill cow. It was in great condition. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, literally a couple months into having the dog, he totally destroyed the entire thing. <laughs> so, oh gosh, <laughs> so he's, yeah, he's lived up to, uh, their reputation for sure. So yeah. We won't be spending any money on that.
0: Yeah. Our next door neighbor had a, be- a beautiful, uh, chocolate lab. It was a great dog. And yeah, when they do grow up, they're just amazing, mm-hmm. uh, pets and companions to have. So, uh, you've got a great, uh, okay. what's your
1: dog's name? Uh, his name's Miles. Miles, we drive, okay. Yeah, like we that. had to drive three and a half hours to get him. And my oh. wife and I, on the drive, we were like, okay, we're going to name him from something we see on a road sign on our way down there. And so it came down to Miles or Forest, yeah, and uh, we settled on Miles.
0: I like that. Well, that's yeah. a little closer than uh, my, my neighbor's uh, current dog. My wife and I flew to Boston and picked that dog up and brought him home for him. So wow. uh, that was a little further away 3500 yeah. miles or whatever. whatever
1: <laughs> yeah. That's a long. But we're trip. we're
0: uh, his dog is named Warden and we we are Warden's oh, dog cool parents versus <laughs> godparents. So uh yeah, we kind of kind of bonded with him on the flight home. So uh I take him for walks as often as I can. It's a good thing to do every day to get up from behind this computer. Very nice. Well, uh, I'll remind our listeners, you can find all these resources on Andy's show notes page on the Cars yeah! website. All right, Andy, we're up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car, vintage race car, whatever you want to park in your garage, but there are some rules to this game that may make it a little bit of a challenge. One is, it's the only one collector car or vintage race car you can have. You have to drive it, no garage queens allowed, and you can't sell it to fund your business or buy another car or another 10 cars with. So what's it going to be?
1: <laughs> the car that comes to mind is uh, it's got to be the Ferrari F40. It's, okay. uh, that's got to be like the quintessential car of my childhood. And I think if there was ever yeah. a, a bedroom poster car for me, that was it. And so I yeah. think uh, if I could have one of those, I'd be more than happy to drive that every day.
0: Have you uh, had a chance to drive one?
1: Uh no, it's one of the very few cars I've, I've just never had the opportunity. So, um uh, yeah. man, I would relish it if uh, it ever came around.
0: You know, it makes sense for a guy like you because basically that's a race car with a street car body on it. I mean, yeah. it's just yeah, you know, the last of those analog Ferraris and oh my gosh, there I got to drive one not very spirited, but it was uh, a guy's collection. We were photographing it. Let me drive it up and down the back of his warehouse area there. So got to drive it a little bit spirited, but nothing serious. Uh, but oh my gosh, when you step on the gas, that thing turns into a, a beast. <laughs> it's just incredible. <laughs> oh, it's it's just a fun, fun car. Would you like yours in the traditional Rosso Red, or is there a, a unique color you'd like yours to be? Uh, you know,
1: I've only seen a few in black, and I always I always thought the black was just the coolest. Uh, Because it's menacing on top of being just such a raw car. So I think I'd go black.
0: Saw a black one at Concorso Italiano uh, years ago, and I'd never seen one before. And I'm not really a black car guy because Mm -hmm. I'm a clean car guy, so black is impossible (laughs) to keep Uh clean. Uh, So that's why I don't like it. I think it looks beautiful, though, but uh, it looked really nice in black. Uh, Yeah, it works. I think that car works in any color. It could be pink. I'd still drive it. Oh,
1: I'd take it still, yeah, anytime. Yeah, Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Well, Andy, you've taken me on a great ride today. I knew this would be spirited and fun. I want to thank you for enjoying your stories. Thank you for sharing your journey. Could you offer us a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off into the sunset in that Ferrari F forty?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, this piece of advice always came from uh, the same chiropractor. His name was Barry Panzer. He uh, he mentored me a lot through my twenties uh, and through my racing career. And one of the things he always preached at me was just. Uh, you know it's this business and i'm finding about finding out that uh, any business really it, it's it's just relationships it's just uh you know value those people that you come into contact with and and value the people that get behind you and just don't forget about that you know don't burn any bridges cuz it it always comes back around and so Absolutely. That's, that's the thing I always try to keep in mind. And uh, I'll try to continue to do that with with track record as well.
0: Yeah. Well, like I said earlier, what mom taught us all hang out with the best kids, not the bad ones. So uh, that works in business and life throughout <laughs> life. So shout out to all the moms out there, including mine. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and track record?
1: Um, so, yeah, so track record, uh, you can visit us on our website, uh, just track record dot com record with a with a K. And, uh, we have Instagram as well. So at track record, um, and you can find me, uh, also at Andy It's my personal website and at Andy Lee racing on Instagram. Um, so yeah, if you want to keep up with us, uh, and find out more, like there's a little coaching inquiry, um, on our website. So we'd love to hear from you. And, and yeah, if you're looking for a little coaching, uh, we'd love to help you. Absolutely.
0: And they can help you. And, uh, if you missed my talk with Steve, their business partner, uh, he was on last Friday. You can go back and find Steve Kempton on the Carjow website. And coming back to the show here soon will be Kai Goddard. So you can listen to his update on his career as he moved into uh, co founding this business along with Andy. Andy, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your many experiences with the Carjow listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road or at the track.
1: Sounds good, Mark. Have a good one.
0: You too. Hey, Mark Green here from Cars Yeah. Did you know you can now see me on the Cars yeah! TV show, it's a weekly visit to some of my past Cars Yeah podcast guests, and I take you along for the ride. You go behind the garage door and into their lives, their businesses, and you get to see what makes them successful. With tens of millions of viewers, Cars Yeah TV is making its mark. Cars Yeah TV is available on MAV TV and Lucas Oil Racing TV. You'll find MAV TV on Direct TV, Fubo TV, FiOS by Verizon, or you can stream it through. Lucas Oil Racing Television online and they said I only had a face for podcasting thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun download your free copy of Filler Up